0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Baron Cross. I'm a League United club writer with Leeds Live, and I'm joined by Paul Brown, London club writer with the Daily Star. Paul, good morning. Everything okay? Good morning. Yeah, very well. You? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Um, obviously, on the Leeds United beat yesterday wasn't quite what we were after. Um, what were your initial thoughts on the game yesterday? Obviously, a 4 2 win for Arsenal at Emirates Stadium. What were your sort of main takeaways uh, at full time yesterday?
1: Well, I wasn't that confident Arsenal would win the game, to be fair, going in. Um they'd lost two on the bounce, have looked very inconsistent and while they've played well at times, especially going forward, um, they're always liable to make mistakes and um after what happened in the last game against Leeds with Pepe and, and the red card, you did wonder if there'd be a bit of needle again in the game. There was some talk beforehand that Leeds were quite looking forward to playing Arsenal, which a lot of teams say at, at times. Um, didn't quite work that way. So it was a bit of a surprise, I think, that the Arsenal came away and and pretty much destroyed them for 40, 47 minutes or so. Um, and then the, the strange second half when Bielsa comes into his own, refuses to change they go and chase it and for a while you're thinking surely Arsenal couldn't collapse and, and let this one go could they but they managed to hold on in the end so it's a strange game really in all.
0: Yeah at 4-2 you did start to wonder because uh, of course the, the, the held across Costa goal the second Leeds goal went in I think uh, about 69th minutes there was a good 20 minutes plus to play and having watched Leeds you did think you know, two goals in, in 20 minutes is not beyond them at all with with the way that we know Arsenal can be fragile and can collapse at times. So I, di- I did wonder but in the end of course Arteta brings on El Neni he brings Rob Holding on and he just manages to shore it up and, and to see the game out and I think in the end Leeds probably ran out of a little bit of steam towards the last 10 minutes and wasn't a great deal of jeopardy in, in the final moments but like you say the damage was done early on and especially in that first half and as you say we came into the game thinking that Arsenal's probably a quite a good team for Leeds to play I mean Leeds of course were above Arsenal in the table um, technically they're superiors in terms of the season so far and Three wins out of the last four for Leeds, which is probably as good as it's been form-wise this season for for a promoter side. Obviously, it's been up and down for any mid-table team. And and like you say Arteta just got it bang on i mean i think bielsa was very complimentary afterwards i think he he acknowledges that arteta clearly prepared brilliantly and knew exactly how leeds wanted to play and just just counteracted it effectively i think from a leeds point of view the main the main issue of course was was losing, losing calvin phillips which has always been a problem under bielsa for the last two and a half years they don't have a like for like replacement and and leeds just struggle so much to replace him and yesterday they they pushed pascal Stroik forward which then disjointed the rest of the defence, which had looked so good in recent weeks. Um, the man that came out of yesterday with the big headlines, of course, was Abameyang. Um, I'm amazed to, to read it. It was his first hat trick for Arsenal. I mean, that absolutely blows my mind. Um, mm. But what's gone on with Abameyang this season so far, Paul? Um, I, I think anybody watching from afar can see the numbers haven't quite been there, of course. He's been absent recently for personal issues. How big a, a, big a factor will that hat trick be going into sort of the final third of the season for him? You'd like to think it would be massive because
1: he's obviously looked a bit low on confidence for, for quite a long time, um, even before the recent issue with his, his mum and, and having to go abroad to, to care for her. Um, it's hard to, to pinpoint one thing really that's gone wrong for yang I mean, he, he signed a new contract and a lot of people put it down to, you know, maybe mentally you, you switch off or take your foot off the gas, relax a little bit when you know that everything is sorted there. But he, he's not really that type of personality so it's it's hard to it's hard to see exactly what what had gone wrong for him from the start of the season but he, he just hasn't been there at all really and, and when Arsenal struggle he struggles um he's so important for them I would say he's probably their only world-class player really the only, the only player of that quality in the squad you could argue maybe Thomas is on a, a similar sort of level but they've not seen much of him um so Arsenal look to him as a leader, he's the captain, he's the, the, the guy who's going to challenge for the golden boot every year in, in, in a good year and for some reason he's had he his head down a lot, his body language just looked terrible, he doesn't look, he hasn't mentally right in games, he just hasn't been involved. There have been times um, when they've been creating chances for him and he's just not been putting them away. Um and, and you'd think, you know, if he's not getting any chances at all, that's one issue. But if he gets chances and can't stick them in, that's a whole different kind of kind of issue for him. So you'd like to think that that now he's got that hatchet behind him, that perhaps he's back to his best and, and we'll see him go on the run. Because Arsenal certainly need him. I, I can't see Arsenal challenging for for the top four or, or possibly the top six unless a scoring goal on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think Bamiang took his goals very, very well yesterday, I think Leeds sat off him a little bit, especially on the first goal. Elan Melier, the Leeds goalkeeper, is the one that sort of generated a lot of the headlines from the Leeds end, of course, uh, played a massive part in all three of the first goals. And I think I think from a Leeds point of view, he's twenty years old. You know I think he's the youngest goalkeeper in Europe,'s big five leagues playing regularly. And I think Leeds just they want everybody to buy into that process. I think you have to understand that a goalkeeper of that age. There are going to be ups and downs, and if you want to have a goalkeeper who's going to build there and be be sculpted to be the team's goalkeeper for the next fifteen years, then you have to ride that out. And um, unfortunately, you're going to get down days like yesterday. I think over the course of the season so far, he's been he's been pretty good. Um, no real issues to say. Like I say, he's just twenty. I mean, yesterday, Niall Huggins came on for his league's debut, and he's twenty. And when he came on, he sort of oh, you looked like a child coming on, and it was a classic youngster making his debut with very, very few expectations. And it's strange how two two human beings exactly the same age can generate such different expectations and reactions uh, among the fan base. So, yeah, I, I think Arsenal just, Leeds just didn't get going at all, but Arsenal deserve absolute credit. And um, as I said, I don't watch Arsenal for 90 minutes every single week, but Bakayo Saka, I mean, if we're talking about young people, how, how is he 19? <laughs> frightening, frightening. I mean, he, he could be their talisman for the next 15 years, couldn't he? He's actually become
1: arguably their most important player during, during the last down spell. He's the one that that's really showed up most weeks. And when Martinelli came back from his injury and and he suddenly looked, you know, the the, the business and, and he was the one people started looking to. But since then, Saka is the one who's who stepped up he's just got blistering pace he's being played on the, on the right wing now which seems to suit him a lot more than the other roles that he's played in and he's got goals in him he, he's the one who's been scoring big goals from and setting them up for the, the games that they've won in recent times I can remember a few months ago people raving about him saying oh he's going to be the, the future of of, of the left back position for England I, I never once thought he was going to be a left back I, I don't see that at all both Arteta and Gareth Southgate have mentioned that he's got a lot to learn defensively and I remember on his England debut Lee Dixon absolutely slaughtered him for a couple of early mistakes heading one clearance back into his own box um, but he's, he's had a switch of position and he, he just looks completely free happy confident and, and absolutely flying and I think when you play him further uh, forward, closer to the goal, you can really see what he's got because he's the one who's been unlocking defences for Arsenal at the moment. But as well as him in this game, I've said to changed it a bit. And it was a really good interplay between Odegaard who started his first game, Saka and, and Smith-Rowe. I'm not sure if, that, not sure if they'll, they'll carry on with that, with those three playing together. Um, you could argue that Odegaard and Smith-Rowe are a little bit similar and then there may not be room for both of them in the same team but it, it really worked against Leeds I just wonder if um, losing Phillips had, had more of an, an effect on the whole team than, than perhaps you know we, we realise because even look, Leeds love to play out from the back and some of those options just aren't there when, when you're talking you're having Phillips in there it's a similar issue to Liverpool isn't it it's not yeah. just Liverpool had two midfielders playing back those guys are not where they should be further up the pitch a little bit more limited
0: um, yeah, I, th- I think you're I think you're quite right. I think the way uh, you really can't underestimate exactly how much of an impact Phillips has on on the team and and the way, like you say, they build that from the back. And as we all know by now, Bielsa has not changed in two and a half years. It's just the way they play. They like to invite pressure. I mean, as I've already mentioned with Melier, that's a position where pressure is invited deliberately. You know, he will always play out from the back. He will always take those touches and. Have your heart in your mouth when when he's got attackers breathing down his neck. Um, and, there were, and, and there were times when that
1: worked well. People will forget because they were ultimately thrashed in the first half, weren't they? Yeah. It, could have been, it could have been worse, but there were times when they did get out and they were suddenly in three on three with the Arsenal back line. It didn't happen often, but there were a couple of times early in the game when when that did happen. So that the strategy works to a point, but when you can disrupt it and you don't have players in the positions where you're expecting
0: them to be, if you're, if you're leads, it, it it can be an issue. Yeah. I I think what we're finding is that with this man to man system, I don't know if you watched match today last night, but Ian Wright made, made a very useful analysis as well, is that when when they're going man to man, all it takes is for one player to beat his man and, and the sort of the deck of cards can come falling down. And we've found that quite a few times in recent weeks when they've lost is that, quite often there's a spare centre-back on the opposition side. And if they're comfortable on the ball and they're happy driving forward out of defence, it, it can be a bit like a coach and horses through the middle of the pitch. You know, we saw it at Old Trafford with Man United when they won 6-2. All it takes is for basically everybody to shift to the flanks. All the Leeds players go with their men. And if all it takes is for one player to beat his man and you're basically through the centre of the pitch. And yesterday I found that with David Louise quite a few times. I think once he ran Bamford off the ball, he had a lot of space to then drive into. You, know, Dallas and Click were really struggling with Xhaka and Ceballos, who I who I thought probably ran the game. To be honest, And I think that's where the, the match was was won and lost. Arsenal just Arsenal were able to stop Leeds playing out from the back, and Leeds weren't able to stop Arsenal. And um, any time the ball went into the Arsenal half, as you, as you've alluded to, it just came straight back. And and Leeds just, uh, if you remember, like the first sort of, like say, 40 minutes, Leeds just couldn't seem to get out of their third. It was just constantly either mm. Melier being pressed into kicking the ball into touch or passing out to the centre-backs and then it being turned over in the middle. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those days for Leeds. And I think as a newly promoted side, you're going to have those days. They really, really struggle to to build up with their patterns and Phillips is just so important to that. And as I say, Stroik has been tried there a few times now. I think he... He might well be the sort of the least worst option, um, but it's something they have to address in the transfer window. And pulling him out of central defence really, really hurt them yesterday because Ailing was just getting used to playing at right back again. Shackleton did absolutely fine coming in at, at right back as, as the youngster. Um, but yeah, just Arteta and Arsenal got it bang on. Then they caught Leeds on an off day. Um, and Arsenal now looking ahead. I mean, Europa League and Euro- European football, of course, returns. It's amazing what one win can do, can't it, Paul? I mean, suddenly now the the perspective on on what might yet happen in the sort of the final third of this season changes. What are the sort of realistic aspirations for Arsenal, and 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 if they're going to try and aim for the Champions League, what is going to be the most realistic way of doing it? Because of course, the top four is far from set based on how some of those those top sides did did over the weekend.
1: It's a very competitive season. A very strange season. A lot of strange things are happening. but I just can't see Arsenal finishing in, in the top four. They, they look away off that at the moment. I think if, the, if you're talking about qualifying for the Champions League, surely the Europa League is, is their better, possibly their only chance at, at doing that. I know there are teams who look vulnerable in the top four. I just don't have much confidence in Arsenal to put a, a real run together that, that would get them in there. They would certainly need a Bamiyang scoring pretty much every week and, and back to his best to do that, which is not, impossible but it hasn't looked totally likely this season and you always feel like Arsenal have another dip in them. As well as they've played, they've had two quite big dips already this season and haven't really put any you know any runs together that you think are gonna push them right into that sort of reckoning. So i think if if you're talking about the champions league for arsenal you really need to be looking at trying to win the europa league to, to achieve that arsenal are a team that want to be in europe that need to be in europe every every year they're not in the champions league they miss out financially and drift further away from their rivals so it is the champions league that arteta has been appointed to deliver and at some point he's going to have to deliver that otherwise he won't be in a job there any longer um It seems like he has the backing of the whole club. The players love him. Um, He's managed to start getting rid of the the people that he thought were a bad influence in the dressing room and that he he knows don't have a future at the club anymore. And the hierarchy kind of put a lot of faith in him when they appointed him. To get rid of Arteta would kind of be a, a bit of a damning indictment of them. So there's no no one's saying his job is under threat really for the time being or, or in the near future but ultimately he needs to get them in the Champions League to be Arsenal manager for any length of time and that looks
0: quite a long way off this season to me at the moment Is there a general acceptance then that Arteta's in a, in a long term project now because as I say from afar he looks like the right man you know, he really impresses me with the way he talks I love his discipline I think it's a discipline that Arsenal have needed for quite a while now Ozil's finally out of the door is it just a case of just allowing him the time to get that squad in place and and, and shipping out some of the Deadwood, bringing the players he needs and changing the culture? It
1: is, and, and I think he will get that time. Um, even if they go on another do- another downturn, it would have to be pretty horrendous for him to, for his job to be genuinely under threat this season, I think. I mean, they they know he's a young manager. They know he has a lot of tinkering with the squad to do. It's going to take a few transfer windows before this Arsenal team looks the way he wants it. And I think the club accept that. So he will get, I'm sure he will get time. Um, I see good things. I see bad things as well from, from what he's doing. But the fact that he's managed to get rid of the players who were just a drain on both the club's resources and probably on chemistry in in the dressing room. too. because when you're not playing and you're a a big name player, you can't help, but be, you know, a a bad influence in some way. Can you just because you're there? Um, those things will help. So the squad is starting to look more how, more the way he wants it, but they still have holes in, in some quite big areas. Um, beyond the Bamiyang, who's been really badly out of form all season, they don't really have a recognised goal scorer to come in. They have two players now playing in, in key positions who are only on loan and there probably isn't a massive chance that both of those players or either of those players are going to be at Arsenal for the long term. So Barlos and Odegaard are big question marks over what they do with their careers. But I'm sure, you know, in, in, in private, if not in public, they're both talking about wanting to make it in, in Spain rather than for Arsenal over, over the long term. So that that also is an issue. They will need something needs to happen there. Um Arteta needs fullbacks as well, and he still has a little bit of an issue at the center of his defence where Chambers is, is basically not going to get a look in anymore. So another player they'll, they'll try to get rid of. And Lewis is going out of contract. What do they do with him? Do they need to sign another centre-back? There's been talk for months that he does want a bit of a, a revamp there and that another defender could come in. So there are, there are still big elements of the squad that, that need changing or fixing if you're Arteta. And um, I, I just think they're a little way off that core group of five or six teams who are in there every season at the moment challenging. Yeah. I like what he's doing as a coach you can see that you can see that he's improving players and you can see they're buying into the system but a little bit like Leeds it's a system that that kind of needs to work perfectly for it to work and when it goes yeah. wrong it can look really really bad so yeah. there's, there's no kind of middle ground at the moment I, I don't think Arteta is a manager who's learned yet how to get something out of a game when his side are not doing what he wants, when his side are not playing well. Yeah. I'm not sure he's really discovered a way of either digging in and grinding a result out or changing the way they play to get something from a game. I think that's something Arteta probably still needs to learn. But they are showing signs of being a good team and you have to look at it from the fact that you know you've got A lot of young players there, Saka and Martinelli. I know they sent others on loan like Willock and and Maitland-Niles, but Reese Nelson as well. There's there's a crop of good, young, homegrown players there who give Arsenal a very bright future because they're not at their
0: peak yet. Give them two or three years and they will be at their peak and then we might see a different Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, in terms of giving a manager time, I think Bielsa, they would give him 10 years if he was happy to sign it. I mean, he's obviously into his mid-60s now, so it's it's this horrible sort of jeopardy of every single season because Bielsa of course goes on a sort of a rolling yearly contract and every single summer we have the same debate of you know is he going to stay is he going to go um, I think the general interpretation at the moment is that he'll stick around at least for another season I think he really needs to see the fans back in the stadiums I think he's really missed that he's a, a great romantic when it comes to the importance of fans in in football and, and how football is nothing without without supporters and having gone all the way through winning the championship without the fans in the stadium and now into the premier league the promised land the thing they've waited 16 years for and not having the fans in the stadium i think that's really hurting him um i think i think it's really really upset him to be honest because that's that's what drives him so i'm sure we will get at least another year but um as you as you said with, with arteta and the time given i mean i think it's just a year by year thing and it's more sort of leads are on hooks rather than the manager i think the manager holds all the cards um but I mean, what a season it's turning out to be, to, to have won the championship, to have come up with with still, I'd probably still say 80, 80% of the squad was the squad that finished mid-table in the championship under Paul bottom in 2018. So the man is working absolute miracles with the plays he's got on his on his hands. I mean, I, I know that since they've been promoted and, and as the analysis has grown deeper into what Leeds do and clearly people are pointing fingers at how, as you've said, if the system doesn't work, it really doesn't work and it really can fall apart quite spectacularly. Hence, they've dished out quite a few hidings and taken a few, which is why the goal difference is so erratic. Um, but I think people, it, it's easy for people to lose sight of what he's done with the players that are doing this. I mean, the fact that these people players isn't getting battered every single week is 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 astonishing when you look at their, their personal career histories. So I think, providing he can stick around in the summer and leads can strengthen, which, making sounds what they want to. Obviously, everybody had a pretty quiet January, but going into the summer, if they can, go and make another three or four key signings, as they did last summer um, in a few of those positions. I think left-back is a position they'll look to address. Central midfield, where Mateus Klick has slowly but surely come under a bit more pressure now and doesn't quite look the same sort of nailed-on selection that, that he has been under Bielsa. Then, I, I mean, the, the sky seems to limit. I mean, I don't know how you feel about Leeds generally, Paul, but from afar... They are a massive football club, aren't they? I mean, the, the everything is there for it to be a success, with with the time that's needed to uh, to change a squad, isn't it?
1: Undoubtedly a big club, yeah. I, I was interested by what you said in terms of um, Bielsa holding all the cards. He, he really does, doesn't he? I mean, you can yeah. understand why, because he's completely transformed the club and he came in when they were at a, a low ebb, needing that sort of transformation. And he's a, a big name guy with huge reputation, respected all, all over the world um, for what he's achieved and the style of football that, that he plays. But is is it a healthy position for your manager to hold all the cards? Yeah. At a he isn't really. Um, I think you're right, I think he will be around next season at least but a guy like Bielsa, you just cannot predict what's going to happen with him he's totally unpredictable, he could find a reason you know, in, in the next week for, for deciding that, that that's it, I, I doubt it's not going to happen is it? But you know what I mean, he's so unpredictable, yeah. that you, cannot, you cannot plan for the, for the future with a, a man like Bielsa, um, he seems to be really enjoying English football um, so I think he's going to be around for at least another season, and he'll get a chance to see yeah. in, in the summer and see what what happens there. But when you're in that sort of position where you're kind of where your manager does hold all the cards, you have to start asking what happens to leave after Bielsa, whenever that is, whether that's two, three, four years time, because they're unlikely to be able to find someone who's going to take on the same kind of philosophy where do you find a manager who plays the same way and, and is any good at it like Bielsa is so what, what do they do then I would be wondering already if you're the Leeds hierarchy and you're in the Premier League what the long-term plan is there I think there yeah. needs Um totally except that as a squad of players if you look at them individually it's not as if the top four top six teams are going to try and poach half this team is it I mean no. he's worked wonders with a team that you look at and think well how has he done that in in ways? Yeah. But at the same time, if, if Calvin Phillips is, is poached by someone at some point, which he's he's obviously the one that that may be targeted by by a bigger club um, over the next few months, what the leads do then? Um, you certainly think he needs to find a solution somehow in, in the transfer market, whether Phillips stays or goes. Because I see leads sometimes, and, and it works and, and it's brilliant. But but you think you have a, a back line at Leeds and then you have the centre of the pitch that seems only populated by Calvin Phillips and everyone else is pressing, press, press. And again, it's it's brilliant when when it works. And, and I saw, I can remember when they played Everton in, in the first game, Everton had two, possibly even three midfielders in there in the middle of the pitch. And yet Calvin Phillips completely ran the game. He, I mean, he yeah. was able to totally, totally run the game on his own. He didn't need anyone else in there with him because he does a bit of everything he can close players down he makes tackles he makes interceptions and his passing range is absolutely outstanding but again long term I think you've got to find someone of a similar stature to get in there with him if only because he's not going to be there forever let's face it yeah. um and when he's not in the team for injury or or suspension or whatever they need someone who can play a similar role or, or pick up you know where, where he's left off so they're not so they don't end up looking like a completely different side. Yeah. So there's, he's got to find someone or some way of playing that that fills that midfield with a similar sort of quality. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the future does look bright for Leeds. They're playing great football, and, and if if he sticks around for long enough, I'm sure he can make them an even better team, especially if he's given the funds to, to improve it. I, I just always... Bielsa's been around for a long time, and, and so many jobs have come up in the Premier League, and I've always thought, I wonder if that if that club would go for Bielsa, and I think there have been a few teams that have had a nibble for him before. And you, and you look at all those teams and the positions they were in, and you think, yeah, but with all of them, you know, they were all in positions where they're yeah. struggling a bit in the Premier League, and em- employing someone like Bielsa at that moment would have been a massive risk. I mean, he was he was he was on West Ham's radar, for instance, for for a while once, and and they were when they were struggling, and you think. West Ham fans, I'm sure, would absolutely have loved Bielsa to go there. But could you really see that working? Because he's, <laughs> he's such a... In, in a way, he's found the perfect club in English football yeah. because he's been able to rescue them from a terrible situation when they were already down there and in need of something like this. And he's completely transformed them. And, mm. and in a way, I think taking that job when they weren't in the Premier League has really worked. It's also meant he's had time and, and patience from fans and, and the owners uh, to, to do this and yeah. I'm not sure there would have been another club in English football that could have taken him and given him the same sort of platform, the same time, the same patience and the, the same faith. Yeah. So it's just think- been a match made in heaven strangely because who, who, who would have thought before Bielsa ended up at Leeds that Leeds and Bielsa would have been a match made in
0: heaven? It's almost... Yeah. You know, inconceivable, isn't it? It's, it's as it's as most managers say in the modern game, it's you pick your owners, not your clubs. I think is a great example of that. I think, as you say, it doesn't strike me as a, as a good match in with uh, with Mr. Gold and Mr. Sullivan. But <laughs> when he's gone into Leeds with, with the ownership structure there, and as you say, they bow to him and, and give him everything he needs. And, and thankfully, it's working. Because like you say, Paul, when he first came in, we had no idea which way it was going to go. And we thought they would be just as likely be top of the table in September as they would be with with him out of the door, gone in, in absolute acrimony, as we've seen with some of the stuff from Lille this week. Um, I think Victor Orta, the director of football, is going to be the big thing that knits it all together, as you've said, with with in terms of a succession plan, in terms of the transfer dealings. It, it's very much this modern way of, he builds the squad, he does the personnel, he, he solves the Calvin Phillips problem, and basically they try and find a coach who can then come in after Bielsa and sort of do something with that group of players in, in their own way. I think I think they know Bielsa is Bielsa because there is nobody like him, and I think they know they're not going to get somebody in who's going to play in exactly the same way. And I'm sure they've got their feelers out and looking at exactly who could play in, if not the same, then a, then a similar way. But um, yeah, Arsenal. Then who who have Arsenal got next on the radar, Paul? Who's their next game in the league? I know it's Europa League first, but who's next in the league and and how is that game shaping up for them off the back of off the back of yesterday?
1: Well, like I say, I think it's all really down to Aubameyang, um and, and, and what he does. But unfortunately for for Arsenal, their their next game in in the Premier League is is City, so um, not not the easiest um, you know the easiest fixture to play. This Europa League first, so they'll concentrate on that. But and um, and Arteta has had some joy against the bigger teams in in many ways. Um, his system and the way they play is better suited to playing some of the, the bigger boys in, in the Premier League. So who knows? But you look at City at the moment, they just look unbeatable, don't they? I mean, the, the run they're on. When the, when the Champions League starts up again and they get bogged down in that, that may change. But it's, it's hard to see City drop in too many points until um, until that does happen
0: yeah um for Leeds it's Wolves on Friday so again uh, to Molyneux of course Wolves who who looks a bit out of sorts in recent weeks to be honest they got a good win yesterday at Southampton from what I'm from what I'm led to believe against the run of play to be honest I think Southampton felt a little bit aggrieved but yeah I mean I, I think now Leeds are down to 11th behind Arsenal although if they win the game in hand then they go above Arsenal again so uh, as I've already said it's it's amazing what one result can do and just changes the perspective on things but they're safe now I think um they may, I mean, with Bielsa, they may never be on the beach, but if you're looking at sides that are going to be in that safe mid-table section, Leeds are going to be one of those that probably sooner than others may have a little to play for and could well just be, be be playing for Bielsa entirely and just basically listening to him scream from the touchline and hopefully getting a response. But um, no, I mean, I think for, in terms of final thoughts, I mean, yes, they absolutely justified for Arsenal. And, and as you say, I think the, the one moment was at 4-2, if they could have got that third inside the next five or six minutes it might well have turned it but in the end Arsenal did a professional job and um, I think yeah, more than justified it. and, and hopefully they can build on that now moving forward but um, yeah um, we'll leave it there Paul thank you for your time thanks for joining it's a pleasure to meet you pleasure no to talk football with you uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again sometime soon thanks very much thank you